The Pendant Shakespeare presents the first part of Henry VI, Chapter 5. Lord Bishop Winchester, set the crown upon our king's head. God save King Henry of that name the sixth. God save the king. Now, Governor of Paris, take your oath that you elect no other king but him. Esteem none friends but such as are his friends, and none your foes but such as shall pretend malicious practices against his state. This shall you do, so help you righteous God. My gracious sovereign, as I rode from Calais to haste unto your coronation, a letter was delivered to my hands, writ to your grace from the Duke of Burgundy. Shame to the Duke of Burgundy and thee, Fastolf. I vowed, base knight, when I did meet thee next, to tear the garter from thy craven's leg, <gasps> which I have done, because unworthily thou wast installed in that high degree. Pardon me, Prince the Henry, and the rest. This dastard at the Battle of Patay, when but in all I was six thousand strong, and that the French were almost ten to one, before we met or that a stroke was given, like to a trusty squire did run away, in which assault we lost twelve hundred men. Myself and diverse gentlemen besides were there surprised and taken prisoners. Then judge, great lords, if I have done amiss, or whether that such cowards ought to wear this ornament of knighthood, yea or no. To say the truth, this fact was infamous and ill-beseeming any common man, much more a knight, a captain, and a leader. When first this order was ordained, my lords, knights of the garter were of noble birth, valiant and virtuous, full of haughty courage, such as were grown to credit by the wars, not fearing death nor shrinking for distress, but always resolute in most extremes. He then that is not banished in this sort doth but usurp the sacred name of knight, profaning this most honorable order, and should, if I were worthy to be judge, be quite degraded, like a hedge-born swain that doth presume to boast of gentle blood. Stain to thy countrymen, thou hearest thy doom. Be packing, therefore, thou that wast a knight. Henceforth we banish thee on pain of death. And now, my lord protector, view the letter sent from our uncle, Duke of Burgundy. What means his grace that he hath changed his style? No more but plain and bluntly to the king. Hath he forgot he is his sovereign? Or doth this churlish superscription pretend some alteration in goodwill? What's here? I have, upon special cause, moved with compassion of my country's rack, together with the pitiful complaints of such as your oppression feeds upon, forsaken your pernicious faction, and joined with Charles, the rightful king of France? O monstrous treachery! Can this be so, that in alliance, amity, and oaths there should be found such false dissembling guile? What? Doth my uncle Burgundy revolt? He doth, my lord, and is become your foe. Is that the worst this letter doth contain? It is the worst. And all, my lord, he writes. Why then Lord Talbot there shall talk with him and give him chastisement for this abuse? How say you, my lord? Are you not content? Content, my liege? Yes. 
But that I am prevented, I should have begged I might have been implored. Then gather strength, and march unto him straight. Let him perceive how ill we brook his treason, and what offence it is to flout his friends. I go, my lord. In heart desiring still, you may behold confusion of your foes. Grants me the combat, gracious sovereign. And me, my lord. Grant me the combat too. This is my servant. Hear him, noble prince. And this is mine, sweet Henry. Favor him. Be patient, lords, and give them leave to speak. Say, gentlemen, what makes you thus exclaim? And wherefore crave you combat, or with whom? With him, my lord, for he hath done me wrong. And I with him, for he hath done me wrong. What is the wrong whereof you both complain? First let me know, and then I'll answer you. Crossing the sea from England into France, this fellow here, with envious carping tongue, upbraided me about the rose I wear, saying the sanguine colour of the leaves did represent my master's blushing cheeks, when stubbornly he did repue the truth about a certain question in the law, argued betwixt the Duke of York and him, with other vile and ignominious terms, in confutation of which rude reproach, and in defence of my lord's worthiness, I crave the benefit of law of arms. And that is my petition, noble lord, for though he seemed with fortunate quaint conceit to set a glass upon his bold intent, yet no, my lord, I was provoked by him, and he first took exceptions at this white rose, pronouncing that the paleness of this flower bewray the faintness of my master's heart. Will not this malice, Somerset, be left? Your private grudge, my lord of York, will out, though ne'er so cunningly you smother it. Good lord, what madness rules in brain-sick men when for so slight and frivolous a cause such fractious emulation shall arise? Huh. Good cousins both of York and Somerset, quiet yourselves, I pray, and be at peace. Let this dissension first be tried by fight, and then your highness shall command a peace. The quarrel toucheth none but us alone. Betwixt ourselves let us decide it then. There is my pledge. Accept it, Somerset. Nay, let it rest where it began at first. Confirm it so, mine honorable lord. Confirm it so. Confounded be your strife and perish you with your audacious prate. Presumptuous vassals, are you not ashamed with this immodest clamorous outrage to trouble and disturb the king and us? And you, my lords, methinks you do not well to bear with their perverse objections much less to take occasion from their mouths to raise a mutiny betwixt yourselves. Let me persuade you to take a better course. It grieves his highness. Good my lords, be friends. Come hither, you that would be combatants. Henceforth I charge you, as you love our favor, quite to forget this quarrel and the cause. And you, my lords, remember where we are. In France, amongst a fickle, wavering nation. If they perceive dissension in our looks, and that within ourselves we disagree, how will their grudging stomachs be provoked to willful disobedience and rebel? Let me be umpire in this doubtful strife. I see no reason, if I wear this red rose, that anyone should therefore be suspicious I'm more inclined to Somerset than York. Both are my kinsmen, and I love them both. And therefore, as we hither came in peace, so let us continue peace and love. 
Cousin of York, we institute your grace to be our regent in these parts of France. And good my lord of Somerset, unite your troops of horsemen with his bands of foot. And like true subjects, sons of your progenitors, go cheerfully together and digest your angry choler on your enemies. Ourself, my lord protector, and the rest, after some respite, will return to Calice. From thence to England, where I hope ere long to be presented by your victories with Charles Allenson and that traitorous rout. My lord of York, I promise you the king prettily, methought, did play the orator. And so he did. But yet I like it not in that he wears the badge of Somerset. Tush, that was but his fancy. Blame him not. I dare presume, sweet prince, he thought no harm. And if I wish he did, but let it rest. Other affairs must now be managed. Well didst thou, Richard, to suppress thy voice. For had the passions of thy heart burst out, I fear we should have seen deciphered there more rancorous spite, more furious raging broils than yet can be imagined or supposed. But howsoever, no simple man that sees this jarring discord of nobility, this shouldering of each other in the court, this factious bandying of their favorites, but sees it doth presage some ill event. Tis much when scepters are in children's hands, but more when envy breeds unkind division. There comes the ruin. There begins confusion. Go to the gates of Bordeaux, trumpeter. Summon that general unto the wall. English John Talbot, captains, calls you forth. Servant in arms to Harry, King of England. And thus he would. Open your city gates. Be humble to us. Call my sovereign yours and do him homage his obedient subjects and I'll withdraw me and my bloody power. But if you frown upon this Brawford peace, you tempt the fury of my three attendants, lean famine, quartering steel, and climbing fire, who in a moment, even with the earth, shall lay your stately and air-braving towers if you forsake the offer of their love. Thou ominous and fearful owl of death, our nation's terror and their bloody scourge, the period of thy tyranny approacheth. Unless thou canst not enter but by death, for I protest we are well fortified and strong enough to issue out and fight. If thou retire, the Dauphin, well appointed, stands with the snares of war to tangle thee. On either hand thee there are squadrons pitched to wall thee from the liberty of flight. And no way canst thou turn thee for redress, but death doth front thee with apparent spoil. And pale destruction meets thee in the face. Ten thousand French have ta'en the sacrament to rive their dangerous artillery upon no Christian soul but English Talbot. Hark, hark. The Dauphin's drum. A warning bell. 
sings heavy music to thy timorous soul, and mine shall ring thy dire departure out. He fables not. I hear the enemy. Out! Some light horsemen, and peruse their wings! <laughs> oh, negligent and heedless discipline! How are we parked and bounded in a pale? A little herd of England's timorous deer, mazed with a yelping kennel of French cars. If we be English deer, be then in blood. Not rascal-like to fall down with a pinch, but rather booty mad and desperate stags. Turn on the bloody hounds with heads of steel and make the cowards stand aloof at bay. Sell every man his life as dear as mine, and they shall find dear, dear of us, my friends. God and St. George, Talbot in England's right, prosper our colours in this dangerous fight! Are not the speedy scouts returned again? that dogged the mighty army of the Dufal? They are returned, my lord, and give it out that he has marched to Bordeaux with his power to fight with Talbot. As he marched along by your espials were discovered two mightier troops than that the Dauphin led, which joined with him and made their march for Bordeaux. A plague upon that villain Somerset, that thus delays my promised supply of horsemen that were levied for this siege. Renowned Talbot doth expect my aid, and I am louted by a traitor villain, and cannot help the noble Chevalier. God comfort him in his necessity. If he miscarry, farewell wars in France. Thou princely leader of our English strength, never so needful on the earth of France. Spur to the rescue of the noble Talbot, who now is girdled with a waist of iron and hemmed about with grim destruction. To Bordeaux, warlike Duke, to Bordeaux, York. Else farewell Talbot, France, and England's honour. Oh God, that Somerset, who in proud heart doth stop my cornets. Where in Talbot's place? So should we save a valiant gentleman by forfeiting a traitor and a coward? Mad ire and wrathful fury make me weep, that thus we die while remiss traitors sleep. Oh, send some succor to the distressed lord. He dies, we lose. I break my warlike word. We mourn, France smiles, we lose they daily get, all long of this vile traitor Somerset. Then God take mercy on brave Talbot's soul, and on his son, young John, who two hours since I met in travel towards his ward-like father. This seven years did not Talbot see his son, and now they meet where both their lives are done. Alas, what joy shall noble Talbot have? To bid his young son welcome to his grave? Away, vexation almost stops my breath. That sundered friends greet in the hour of death. Lucy, farewell. No more my fortune can but curse the cause I cannot aid the man. Maine, Blois, Potier and Tours are one away. 
long all of Somerset and his delay. Thus, while the vulture of sedition feeds in the bosom of such great commanders, sleeping neglection doth betray to loss, that conquest of our scarce cold conqueror, that ever-living man of memory, Henry V. Whilst they each other cross, lives, honours, lands, and all hurry to loss. It is too late. I cannot send them now. This expedition was by York and Talbot too rashly plotted. All our general force might with a sally of the very town be buckled with. The overdaring Talbot hath sullied all his gloss of former honour by this unheedful, desperate, wild adventure. York set him on to fight and die in shame. The Talbot dead, great York might bear the name. Here is Sir William Lucy, who with me set from our o'ermatched forces forth for aid. How now, Sir William? Whither were you sent? Whither, my lord? From Borton's sold Lord Talbot, who, ringed about with bold adversity, cries out for noble York and Somerset to beat a sailing death from his weak regions, and whilst the honourable captain there drops bloody sweat from his war-wearied limbs, and in advantage lingering, looks for rescue. You, his false hopes, the trust of England's honour, keep off aloof with worthless emulation. Let not your private discord keep away the levied succours that should lend him aid. While he, renowned noble gentleman, yield up his life into a world of odds. Orleans, the bastard, Charles Burgundy, Lanson, Regnier, compass him about, and Talbot perisheth by your default. York set him on York. Should have sent him aid. And York, as fast upon your grace, exclaims, swearing that you withhold his levied host, collected for this expedition. York lies. He might have sent and had the horse. I owe him little duty and less love, and take foul scorn to fawn on him by sending. The fraud of England, not the force of France, hath now entrapped the noble-minded Talbot. Never to England shall he bear his life but dies betrayed to fortune by your strife. Come, go. I will dispatch the horseman straight. Within six hours, they will be at his aid. Too late, Coombe's rescue. He is taken or slain. For fly, he could not if he would have fled. And fly were Talbot never, though he might. If he be dead, brave Talbot, then adieu. His fame lives in the world. His shame in you. The Pendant Shakespeare, also known as the Wild Bill Variety Show, presents the first part of Henry VI, Chapter 5, featuring the voice talents of Pete Lutz as Lord Protector Gloucester, Sarah Palmero as Cardinal Winchester, Juliet Angeli as Faustolf, Adam Blanford as Lord Talbot, Emmeline Tuck as King Henry, Kirsty Wolven as Sir William Lucy, Chevelli Gutierrez as Bassett, V.C. Morrison as Vernon, Carson Campbell as Plantagenet, Russell Gold as Somerset, Julia Eve is Warwick, Edward Herman is Exeter, Walter Mack is the General, Maya Murphy as the Messenger, and Cindy Woods is the Captain. Dramaturgy and audio adaptation by Morgan Z. Soul, directed by Jeff Robinson, produced by Pendant Productions. Music by Josh Mullen at thetunepeddler.com. This production is copyright 2023, Pendant Productions. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.